Kevin O'Brien here, the FF Engineer. I host the Fantasy Football Engineering Podcast, where I bring on a guest each week to discuss a wide range of topics, all to apply practical knowledge in order to design, research, build, and maintain your dynasty rosters for now and beyond. I borrow brilliance from each guest and share how I leverage many different areas of expertise to accomplish a common goal of competing all year round. Subscribe to the podcast, iTunes, Google Play, Stitcher, and Podbean. Do you have the time to listen to me grind? Take down the film watchers and nerds all at once. When the mask's not adding up, you said I'm checking it Hello and welcome back to the Dynasty Crossroads. My name is Peter Howard at PA Howdy on Twitter. This is a member of the DLF family of podcasts. Um, I, I do some other stuff, but welcome back. Uh, if you are back, if it's your first time, I guess uh, welcome in. I don't know. Um, Combine Tastic. That's 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 what we're doing today because I forgot how much I hate combine twitter basically um also i asked and someone in my discord was like yeah just talk about the combine basically um and that was a better idea than anything i came up with i was like yeah yeah so here we are and we're not having a combine this year which actually probably makes it more relevant in some ways because we're going to spend a lot of time talking about pro day numbers not that we don't normally but we're going to spend longer talking about pro day numbers and pro day number adjustments because we don't have a combine because of a national health pandemic thing thingamajig all right um i don't like them i don't i don't like them and i'm tr- i've been trying for a while now to explicitly and clearly and simply as possible explain why they're junk numbers and they don't work um, as well, at the same time, maintaining that, yeah, you can use thresholds and yeah, obviously being an athlete is good and stuff like that. Um, within the context of the NFL, you know, just preset, you know, are, are you uber athletic compared to other really cool uber athletic human beings? Yeah, I, I get it. But like I tried, th- I've tried the term selection bias over and over again, and I even reached out to all my nerd friends. I was like, "Is there another fancy, fancier sounding scientific name that will really make people pay attention to the fact that it's not not good logic?" Um, and they were like, "No, it's just selection bias." So we're, we're stuck with that one. So let me try and explain. And re- remember, I'm always definitely in over my head talking about things I barely understand, and you know trying to own people smarter than me uh, and beat them in fantasy when talking about this stuff. So, you know, that that's a given. Just throwing that out there. But here's, here's an explanation of why I think it's junk. Um, at best, I think it's bimodal, not linear. And I think most of the ways we profile or look for prospects or try to look for good NFL players coming from college is really more of a linear mindset. Higher in this number, good. Um, instead of really, a, a, I advocate for more of a threshold um, mentality, which is good is good and bad is a question mark at best. So it's more bimodal. And, oh, it's probably not bimodal. Again, I barely understand that word. But 
Like you've got short, skinny guys that do well or short, dense guys that do well and very tall, muscular guys that do well in by and large drastically different roles in the wide receiver position. Although that itself isn't true, which is, again, part of why I think this is mostly just junk that gets in your way. But I think when we're looking at combine numbers, and even recently, not arguing, but discussing, I've tried my best to discuss rather than argue, uh, especially with different Twitters, because uh, I'm viciously sarcastic when I want to be, and I understand that most people take Twitter more serious than me, so I'm, I'm trying not to. But they were pointing out that, you know, it has no signal outside of this top echelon, but we should pay attention to this top echelon. And specifically, they were talking about freak score which is another thing. There's a new... Freak score came up a while ago, and it's very good. Made by someone smarter than me. You go check it out. Um, But it used to be Spark, and then it was Spork, because no one's allowed to use Spark, because that's a Nike intellectual property thing. And so Josh Holmesmeyer, and I think some others made Spork, which was an equivalent. And then it was Freak score, and I've got a Combine score. Everyone's got some score but they come and they fade out of popularity and the reason is new players emerge and the 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 grouping of great players that it was pointing when you filtered your tables by it and your 99th percentiles by it go, goes away Doriel Green Beckham shows up and you're like damn it now it doesn't look perfect and if, and you know two draft classes three draft classes out eventually it's just not even a filterable 99th percentile thing because it's junk. Anyway, so I, I think part of it is that it's bimodal, not linear. That players um, in different skill sets or different uh, roles as a wide receiver conform largely to different thresholds. And we tend to think about it in terms of a linear. Pre- and so what does that mean? It, or what does selection bias mean? I'm going to try and lay it out for you. And I j- just spent a quick one way of laying it out. I got a lot of other, way, other ways of objecting it to it, but I made a, I went into our database, a public thing pinned to my timeline of prospects into the NFL and just did a few filterings. And be, to be very clear, and I don't know if it's a great way of thinking about it, but I think a spark and freak score and other things that try to gain signal from things that do not test as reasons that have signal like 40 time clearly shows that it does not relate to a player's performance in the NFL or in college. Like we know that we just know that. Okay. That's just a thing. We know that 40 time doesn't correspond, correlate to production or performance on a field at all. So that's another avenue we could go down, but I'm not going down that one. I'm going down the freak score, spark score, whatever it is, is a method of filtering. That's the way I think of it. It's just using a, a smart formula to filter your table by percentiles or by linearly ranking the players or you know sorting a column top to bottom by adding certain weights to different elements of their physical tested metrics and putting those that they, they've weighted to be more important towards the top um, in this special kind of way. So really, it's not much different than filtering a table by certain variables. Because oh, it doesn't have any signal by itself. So you're looking for kind of hit rate groups through thresholds and sorting them into different levels. That's the way I think it's working or can create these positive looking charts. By look, Chase Claypool is basically Calvin Johnson. We were joking about that last off season. Like I made a combine 
school, which is just my thing. I don't know if it relates to anyone else's combine school. And, and I filtered by the 2020 class and said, this is my Calvin Johnson index. And, Cal and Chase Claypool is the closest to Calvin Johnson when you weight their, these many metrics. And it was kind of just like a stab at combine. And now it's a thing that's actually being filtered and put out there like Chase Claypool was going to hit because he's basically Calvin Johnson. He's, he's not. Like, I, I mean, he could be great and be maybe he's as productive as Calvin Johnson in the NFL. He's, he's not going to be. And he would still not be Calvin Johnson because Calvin Johnson is Calvin Johnson. That's the illogic of this. But anyway, get back on track, Pete. So what I did is I went to the database and I filtered by three, just three. And I just chose three to keep it simple and also so we can keep track of it. If you filter by players with a BMI over 27, because BMI is popular right now. And by the way, 26 is now just fine, because we've got to get Stephen Diggs in there. Um, also, if uh, we filter by heights over 6 foot, so over 72 inches, because it's listed in inches in my, in my little database here, and a 40 time below 4.4, we get Julio Jones, Calvin Johnson, DK Metcalf, and Terry McLaurin. Yeah, I know, Terry doesn't really look like those. That's part of the problem here. But anyway, you also get about 19 other players who who did n nothing. I mean, Dante Moncrief and Michael Floyd are probably the next two good guys on that list, and everyone else is... And this is going back to 2003. Well, Paris Campbell's on there, so shout out to Zach Reed. And again, Paris Campbell doesn't look like... Yeah, yeah, he does not look like those other guys, does he? Anyway, um, so that's fairly good. You've got four of the best hits, uh, just roping McClellan and DK Metcalf into that category, although they haven't quite proved it yet, but we think they're going to, um, out of 19 since 2003. So you can see it's relatively rare that a player hits these three thresholds um, if we filter by them, and there's a lot of value here, right? But... Like, that's a weird list. One, the players don't look similar. And also, like, 19 players in 20 years? Like, in the next 20 years, I might get a, another player. And notice Chase Clopal didn't hit this list. Um, I'd have to check why. He didn't run under a 4.4. He ran a 4.42. So, yeah, we could rope him in there if I spent more than five minutes playing with these filters, obviously. So, yeah, that, that's a pretty good list. But... Given the logic, because I'm not searching for formulas that prove who's good or bad. I'm really looking to understand what these numbers tell us so I can apply that to individual situations. Like, I know I'm a weird fake nerd, but, like, I don't think I'm going to create a formula or find a metric that I'll be able to accurately rank players. I want to understand what they tell me about players broadly and then try to apply that specifically. So instead of saying there's a holistic rule that applies to all players in all situations, and here we go, we're filtered by it, and this is obviously the best guy to draft this year. Instead, I want to understand what those numbers tell me, then look at that individual player, what they did, where they came from, when they played, what they did at certain ages when they played, and try to understand what that makes him as a prospect. So um, my broad understanding is that com your 40-time or your height or your BMI doesn't tell you anything about how good a player is on a field. Like, nothing. Nothing. But there is a very clear threshold where most wide receivers hit, even, like I said, if we break it down by different types of wide receivers. So, okay, um, I, I'm okay with that as, like, a decision maker, I guess, because none of these things rank well. And so if it comes down to a one player or the other player, 
you can lean on like that's an athletic guy or just take a flyer on a guy because you know it's the third round and this is an athletic really huge guy and you want to try it like I do that all the time that's mostly where I I will willing to draft guys based on their athleticism because there's very rarely you know uber productive guys in that draft range in rookie drafts so choose something else I get that but given my understanding that that's true or thinking of it as bimodal what about like, we, I want to create a mini freak score, although we probably have to call it something else because it would get confused with freak score and that'd be weird, but like a tiny guy score. Like, you see what I mean? Like, there's very few players who hit, you know, ultra these ultra-athletic, as they're defining them, thresholds in BMI and 40 time that hit in the NFL and therefore, and, you know, a decent percentage of them hit in the NFL. But there's, think about... And that makes logical sense, right? And that's where I think the mistake comes here, that, you know, it's the NFL. Of course, being huge is important, and being athletic is important, so I want big, huge, athletic guys. Also, really enjoyed watching Calvin Johnson and DK Metcalf play, so, like, that's the best. But is it? I don't think it is. We've seen lots of really small guys, or guys of vastly different sizes, like be more in Calvin Jackson's, Johnson's proven ath- production profile, like that many top eight, I think he has eight top 24 seasons, one of the most productive players ever to play the game, like Antonio Brown, right? He's the other guy we could put in that category, and Julio Jones, ah, two versus one, but you see what I mean, that other guys have reached his production threshold, whereas DK Metcalf we think can, because he's amazing and huge, but like, there are other guys that do it, so what about a mini freak score, a tiny guy score? Like who compares to them? So let me let me run this logic by you. Instead of looking for the top echelon in these scores, what if we look at the bottom echelon and what's the hit rate there? Um, and the logic here isn't big, tall, athletic guys are going to do well in a sport like the NFL. It's if you're invited to the combine and drafted by an NFL team and you're a tiny guy, then you're probably, I mean, you don't get invited to the combine for being tiny. The NFL is also interested in big, strong, athletic people. So if you're inviting someone that doesn't fit that description to the combine and then putting them on your roster, that makes coherent sense too, right? You don't do that if you don't think they're good and unusual, unusually good, because doesn't that say that they've done really well at something? That's that's as coherent as, you know... Going to the NFL, big, strong, athletic, you're going, you're like, that's that's the goal you, you want. I filtered by players with l- a lower than 27 BMI, a 40 time above 4.5, and below 6 feet tall, so below 72 inches or whatever. And what I found is about 20, 23 players in my database going back to 2003, so a similar grouping, and there are four players on that list with top 24 seasons, so the same number. Now, to be very clear, the only guy in the, on that list that you want is Antonio Brown. The other was uh, Lance Moore, Harry Douglas, and Deontay Johnson, to be fair, for a Chase Claypool comparison. Um, those are the only guys on the list. But it's a similar number, and Antonio Brown showing you that guys on the tiny guy list can also produce as much as guys on the big tall, big and tall store list, right? It's just not as rich. But again, we're talking about really small sample sizes. The other thing about this list is every one of my guys uh, on the tiny guy list was drafted. Antonio Brown was drafted in the sixth round. 
Harry Douglas in the third, Deontay Johnson in the third. Actually, Lance Moore wasn't. He was an undrafted free agent. But if we remove everyone from the sample of Tiny Guy, then they that they all, the rest disappear. So if I take out only undrafted free agents in the Tiny Guy list, we only have a list of 13 players and three of them hit, which, you know, that looks like an even tighter grouping, as it were. But on the Big Guy list, they were all drafted. Like, everyone on that 19 sample list was at least drafted. In fact, I think there's only... Uh, let me look here. I think there's only two drafted outside the third round. Outside the third round. There's only four drafted outside the third round because the NFL likes big, tall, strong guys too. So, technically, small, tiny guy list wins? You see how moronic that feels like? Like, draft the really tiny guys that get drafted in the first three guys. Comparatively tiny guys. They get drafted in the first three rounds, you know, four in the last 20 years, because more a larger percentage of those guys actually have at least a fantasy relevant series. Now, you could also say, yeah, but I'd take the lower hit rate group, but with DK Metcalf and Calvin Johnson and Julio Jones and Terry McLaurin on it instead of just Antonio Brown and then, you know, a Lance Moore. Like, come on, dude. Yeah, stick with me. But at least you're seeing that the... the the logic of assuming this tiny group is a good way of sorting, right? So let me go to it another way. Players in the 2020 class, if because we can only prospect one class at a time, that fit that description. Brandon Ayuk, yes. Chase Claypool, yes. Again, I've adjusted the threshold to below 4.5 here, which again, part of the logic is that is you keep having to move your damn thresholds if you don't want to miss on your play it. But anyway, and Brandon Ayuk ran a 4.5. Uh, Chase Claypool ran a 4.42. So you actually have to nudge it up. They're the closest to it, whatever. And the other guys on the list is Joe Reed, Denzel Perryman, and Donovan Peoples. Jones, so that sucks, but at least we got this too, right? But this was a great class, and you would draft Ayuk and Claypool over Jefferson? Or CD Lamb? No, 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 no. Obviously not. You would ju- just for value and draft round. Brandon Ayuk was a first round pick, though. Um, and that would get you close. This It's just telling you it's an interesting couple of players to talk about, right? Rarely is there anyone in your draft class that would hit this grouping. So you see the other reason it sucks? It's like saying there's no one in this draft class that fits it, or this one, or this one, or this one, but this one guy, this one guy in 20 years that finally fit the criteria again. Like, they haven't been doing that for the last five draft classes. It's just a Claypool now fits a new mold, so you filter a new way, and that proves it. But next draft class, there'll be no one in the category again. So how... It's not even useful, really. It's just a thing to try to prove that being big and tall makes you more likely to be good in the NFL when you have to actually, at the same time, saying being tall or big or dense or fast in and of themselves don't. I can't... I'm having trouble making their argument because it doesn't make logic... It doesn't make sense to me. That's nonsense, actually. So... What am I talking about here? Let's go broad view and try to understand what it's telling us and then try and apply it to individual situations instead of, you know, believing that a number that doesn't relate to how good a player is on a college or an NFL field magically will tell us who's better than the next guy. So even though they don't themselves, they, they go, they're going to when we filter by them. All right. So 
players who have had a top 12 season, let's up the ante. Everyone in the NFL that's had a top 12 wide receiver season since 2003. And what I did is literally look at the number of players in that range that cross certain thresholds. So players with a BMI over 28 who are in the top 12 account for about 23% of the sample size. That's tiny. Like you're throwing out quick math people 77 percent of all top 12 players cross the arbitrary 28 bmi threshold i don't want it you can have the top 28 the 28 bmi players because 23 percent of all good players that i really want in fantasy have ever done that if that's what you feel like good luck i'll take all the all the others i guess but that's not fair because of sample sizes right that's fair so we'll look at it a little more in depth in a second. Weight. Being over 200 pounds. That's important, right? Look look at that skinny Marcus Brown out there. Or, or Deshaun Jackson, for that matter. But still, players in the who've had a top 12 season who have been over 200 pounds account for 65% of the sample. Okay, we're moving. You know, you've got to be over 200 pounds, but we're also throwing out 35% of the players we've ever wanted in fantasy. But whatever, that's a higher number. How about height? Over six feet tall, 76% of the sample. That's helping out. Awesome. And 40 time under 4.5. 61% of players in the top 12 have had a, four, a 40 time under 4.5. So like, yeah, screw those other 40%. We didn't want them anyway, right? I guess... Anyway, um, how to just speak? I'm, I'm ignoring the those metrics. All right, so in that same sample, top twelve players, um, seventy percent of them, so a higher number than all of those, have had a breakout age under 20, nineteen production metric. And again, you don't prospect through breakout age; it's just a a shorthand way of looking for players that have good age-adjusted production, which is actually what we should break down and, you know, try to evaluate players by, but it's a good shorthand, so I'm using it. And that's at the 20% threshold. If you go to a 30% threshold for breakout age, 72% of the players in the top 12 had a breakout age under 20 years old, because it's a higher threshold, so I nudge the number up a little bit. So essentially, just by looking at breakout age, which again, I would argue is as illogical to rank players by as anything else, there's a greater percentage of them in the top 12 have a good breakout age. So you like you didn't you didn't need to do all, all the all the underwear Olympics like I caught more of them using even the 20 percent. Anyway, moving on. But what are we really talking about here? Because, yeah, OK. Only 76% of players are over six foot tall in the top 12, but how many are really drafted with these breakout ages? There are so many age 19 breakout ages, you know, it, it, it makes it harder. Whereas being over 200 pounds and six, so let's combine them. And this is the other place you find that combine or combine-tastic metrics don't help you out. If I combine breakout age and height, we lose a percentage of the top 12. In other words, 50 seven percent of players that are over six feet tall have a breakout age under 19 in the top 12 so essentially we've thrown out more of the sample by trying to add the combine or how about we look at players um i don't know what what metric should we use i think i did the same with weight and bmi and it all got worse we essentially lose more of the top 12 players the minute we try to combine combine tastic numbers all right, so let's look at all drafted players and, you know, ha 
does this help limit the pool? Does this shrink the barrel and keep the number of fish we're shooting at? That's also an important question, right? So I did that. All drafted players. Get rid of my beloved free undrafted free agents. Get out of here, guys. We don't we don't want the Harry Douglases uh, or the Adam Thielens of the world right now. 37% of players drafted have a breakout age under 19 at the 20% threshold. That's that's not a huge grouping. Like I'm getting rid of th- like 63% of players drafted and I'm still capturing 70% of the players that break out for a top 12 season. Like, that's pretty good. But if you filter by BMI, only 19% of players drafted have a BMI over 28. So it's actually a bit, it's a smaller barrel, which is better. But there are less fish in it, like drastically less fish, as we just saw. Because the barrel's a lot smaller, only 20% of players have a BMI over 28. But only 23% of the players in the top 12, as opposed to 70%, actually have a BMI over 28. So it's a smaller barrel with a single fish in it, essentially, as opposed to a slightly larger barrel, 37%, and like 20 fish in it. Those numbers aren't accurate to the percentages because I'm not not smart. But you get the idea. BMI isn't really helping you whether you look at... I mean, it helps out with the barrel a little bit, but the fish shrink. I think that makes sense. All right, but you can do a little bit better... If we go to combine metrics for those that are drafted other than BMI, for example, 58% of players drafted into the NFL are over 200 pounds. 69%, nice, 69.9 actually, so it's like a double nice, are over six feet tall. So the barrel's fairly wide, but you're still capturing 60 to 70% of players are hit at the top 12 level. But again, if you just ignored all of it, You would only have to look at 37% of players with breakout age and you would be, and 70% of the players you're aiming for would still be in your barrel. So why am I, why are you looking at combine numbers? Even when you shrink the barrel effectively, you get rid of 80% of the fish you're trying to shoot for. And when you don't shrink the barrel effectively, you're still, you still have a lower percentage of the fish that you're looking for in your barrel. Is the barrel metaphor working? I feel like it's not working. Moving on. If we combine production with combine metrics, we get worse. Did that point land? Like, it's not something like a good percentage of players drafted have a certain height or a certain weight, so let's combine it with production. We get less fish that we're aiming at in the barrel if we try to combine them because it's not a linear relationship. I'm sorry to go back to the nerd words I barely understand, but it's not linear. You want some of those small guys and some of those big guys, and so if you just filter by those that are at the one extreme, you have fewer targets and less bullets, I guess. Is that the same metaphor? Like, what? It's not combine-tastic. It's combine-terrible. It's, it's, I'm just saying it. It's combined terrible, guys. Like, you're, you're not hunting wabbits. I'm running out of bad hunting metaphors here. But if I just go back to my, my little filters, right? Julio Jones, Kevin Johnson, DK Metcalf, Terry McLaurin. Notice anything else about them? No one didn't draft them highly. 
No one was wondering if Julio Jones was good when our rookie draft that year came up. Like, I, I wasn't there, but I'm pretty sure we all knew. Same with Calvin Johnson. DK Metcalf, I was aware of. And his situation was, as we've talked about before, was that he was good when he was on the field. He didn't play enough. And we, we know what to do with that. He's not good because he's huge. He's good at being huge on the football field, which is something film graders like Jake Anderson were able to highlight for us with a smaller sample. I was low on him mostly because I'm a troll and I, I like to say that players that Jake likes aren't good. But the guy on the list that's on my little list is Terry McLaurin. And lots of people were on him and I was out on him. So there you go. That's, that's the hit. There's one in 20 years. But he's not really DK Metcalf, Calvin Johnson, and Julio Jones, is he? Chase Claypool, I happen to know, because of that conversation I had on Twitter is the one that shows up on the list with those guys. It kind of fits the description, although nowhere near as fast as those guys. But again, combine filters suck. So maybe it's Chase Claypool? So the best that combine numbers can say in terms of you should pay any attention to him at all, is that one, one, one guy in 20 years showed up better in athletic metrics than he did in production metrics. So I guess I'll see you in 20 years when it happens again? C cool? I I'm pretty good I had with having Jefferson over him, though, still, to be honest. I was honestly just going to leave it there because we're kind of at the 30-minute mark. But I, I can't do it to you. Look, there's value here. There is. <laughs> those, <clears throat> those thresholds matter. You should understand who they are and physically who they are to give you a better idea of how they might play in the NFL. You should. But at best, it's the decision-maker. And production metrics or age-adjusted metrics are just better decision-makers. About 60% of players that are drafted in the NFL cross the arbitrary, basically arbitrary thresholds for combine statistics for wide receiver. Only about 30, 35, 35 to 40% of players cross the thresholds, even for just breakout age. None of them look the same, physically or in terms of production. Now, 70% of players have fairly good breakout ages, and I can push that well into the 90s in terms of percentage of players who did well in production when you adjust it by age. But you still got players that didn't look the best or looked average. DK Metcalf's and AJ Brown's profile, even looking at the one year, looks like it crosses a threshold. Again, why I go to threshold analysis instead of linear analysis. But 70% had a breakout age under 19. 23% had a BMI over 28. 65% had weight over 200 pounds. 76% had a height over 72. None of these are hitting 100. And when you try to combine them, the, 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 the percentage of players in the top 12 actually gets lower, like I said. They all look different. It's very important whether you're hunting fish in barrels or not to realize that they're not actually fish. What we're hunting is unicorns. We're hunting unicorns. They do not look similar, but they look, their basic shape is more similar in terms of what they do when they play football than the physical characteristics 
they they possess. It just so we need a tiny guy score if we're going to use freak score or combine metrics or combine tastic analysis. We need a tiny guy score. <laughs> all right, guys. Thanks for listening. Thanks for listening to the Crossroads. Really appreciate it. I want to let you all know that we started a Discord uh, on the Patreon page. Um, we're actually going to try and stream the Monday grind, uh, the live stream I do on. Where, where, where do I do it? It's Twitch, uh, Periscope, and YouTube. We're going to try and get that into Discord as well. So by all means, check, check one of those out as well. Really appreciate it. And uh, yeah, I'll see you next week. Bye. Yeah. Chicken or crow, chicken or crow, crossing the road, go. Clicking a poll, Twitter is gold, player unfold, so. Jake on the table and Nate on the play, so. Pete enumerates the plays, they're analytical. Picking my nose, don't really know if I like that. Picking their brains, got their lanes, but I like that. Picking these guys, all of these times, all of these nice stats. Picking apart, the film is an art, always a fight back and forth. There is no order, they disorder more and more because the players ain't no older. They some hoarders or some mortars, dropping bombs without no borders. They got that I like mortar, peak grinding numbers like molars. I don't know anymore, I am at a crossroads. Chicken a crow, chicken a crow, crossing the road, go. Clicking a poll, Twitter is gold, player unfold, so. Jake on the table and they on the play, so. Pete enumerates the plays, they're analytical. Chicken a crow, chicken a crow, crossing the road, go. Clicking a poll, Twitter is gold, player unfold, so. Jake on the table and they on the play, so. Pete enumerates the plays, they're analytical.